Good morning, North America. Welcome to Church Talk TV, lively talk about life, church, and church life. I'm your co-host, Dr. Bill Tenney Britton, and I'm joined as usual by my co-host, Dr. Chris Tenney Britton, and we're broadcasting from our studio in Columbia, Missouri, the heartland of America. Say good morning, Chris. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Church Talk Live. We are so glad to be here with you this morning, and I'm here with my uh, my husband, the astute. Who showed up, who showed up right away. Right, my bill. And uh, oh, and we get to be with Mitch Griffin this morning, who is the author of a book called Restored Eight Truths for Freedom in Christ. Mitch, thank you for being here today. Awesome to it have you. It is here. my pleasure, man. Thank you much, so much for having me. I'm excited to, to be with you guys and just hang out today. Awesome. This is your first book, yes? It is. It is. Awesome. So, so tell us about it. Tell what give us the idea. What what what's behind the book restored? Well, restored is my story. I uh I was a burnout pastor. Let me back up very briefly. I, I grew up in the church, grew up in the church, grew up in the Christian world. Dad was a deacon. Uh, head of the deacon board, Sunday school teacher, grew up in the church. But I left home at 16, uh, heavy drug and alcohol abuse till I was 21. Radical conversion at 21, went from smoking crack to Bible college within a month, literally. So I had a radical conversion, was uh, trained to be a preacher boy, went into pastoring, pastored three churches over a period of 13 years. But internally, I was in bondage and in torment. So I, I began this journey to find freedom. Uh, I found that there was a lot of people who would tell you how to, to, to change, but not many who could tell me how to change. Mm. So I began this journey and over a decade or more, uh, really developed this framework uh, of RESTORED. So RESTORED, Eight Truths to Freedom in Christ is an acronym that I teach from. Each letter stands for a key principle or application. So very briefly, restored is relationship, enemy, separation, uh, thoughts, obedience, repentance, exercise, and door points. So it is a framework, kind of like a good a good cake. You got to, to build the layers and put icing on it. So each builds upon the other uh, to come to the final letter D, door points, is where we really get into the ministry side of taking these principles and applying them into the issues of our life. So very brief recap, but that is restored. That's the book. Yeah. You know, so you you wrote it from what you experienced as a pastor, but it sounds to me like your ministry surpasses ministry and clergy that you include uh lay people, not and not just leaders in, in the church, but all people. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I, I really find the most success with those people who, much like myself, have been burnt by church experience. So have had tremendous success with pastors, with those in leadership, but also just your average, regular, run-of-the-mill guy. Uh, one of the things I love the most here locally, people get a hold of my teaching and are so profoundly impacted by it, they invite me to come to their businesses and mm. teach uh, so right now I'm at a welding shop. Uh, a welding shop provides lunch for his guys and says, if y'all come, I'll feed you. And he allows me to come in and teach these principles. So that's one of the things I thoroughly enjoy doing the most is meeting 
just workplace people in the workplace. And, and these principles, they work across the board. Yeah. Awesome. One of the things, one of the things that I was, um, I, I think I was attracted me to the book and to having you on here is, I mean, most of the people who watch, not everyone, but most of the people who watch church talk are church geeks, um, which means that they're either a pastor or, or staff or they're laity in church leadership positions. We, we have, people who are otherwise watch the show, but by and large, that's our audience. And there's this sense of, I just retired from ministry after 40 years in the parish, in parish ministry. And, you know, one of the things that, that, and I know that Mitch, that you, you're kind of, you, you've touched on this is that there's this sense that as pastors, everyone in the church, not everyone, but by and large, you know, we're, we're seen as the spiritual giants in the congregation. You know, we walk in and that's, you know, I mean, and just because we have the title pastor, that carries so much. And yet, you know, we know, um, I mean, we know all of us because we're, we three are clergy that, you know, that, that that's not always the case. And honestly, I, I wonder if it's even often the case that, you know, we, we joke that therapists often go into the field of therapy, psychiatry, psychology, to do some work on themselves so that they can help others. And I, sometimes I think that we as clergy have gone into um, ministry sometimes to get good with ourselves spiritually. And I think your book provides a really awesome framework to help pastors, church leaders, and and everyone. I mean, really, truth truth is, is everyone to to really dig in and build their spiritual lives back up brick, brick by brick, even when it's broken. So tell us, you know, what inspired you? Before you ask that question, I just want to weigh in for our you know for our viewers and and say with that that a lot of us come out of these churches where we haven't had that spiritual nurture and we know that there's something more it's that god-shaped hole but we may not even know what that what that is and we're not sure what, what it's lacking but we know that there's something lacking and so i i think a lot of us go into bible college or uh, you know uh, seminary thinking and we have a friend um, Ron Levin, who's since passed away, but, you know, I'm, so I'm not telling tales on his story, but, you know, he had one of these incredible um, uh, um, encounters with Jesus. He was not a Christian. In fact, he was Jewish and had this like a Paul encounter with Jesus. And so we figured, where do I learn more about Jesus and grow in my relationship? I go to seminary, which is like the worst place that you can go. So we, you know, we're people who are in leadership and pastors or church leadership. We've never had a model for how to be spiritual people. And, and we want that. And we don't even know what it is or how to get it. So now William, ask your question. So, so what inspires you to write the book? Well, because I, I just like you guys, I, I found so many people in the pastorate, you know, as speaking to pastors, pastor to pastor, um, you go to these retreats, pastor retreats, and, and as a, a young pastor just coming in on fire, I was blown away by, forgive me if this is crude, but, but just the absolute immaturity and carnality of pastors. So I started with a lot of judgmentalism. I mean, I started with a lot of, you know, condemnation, and, but I come to realize pretty quickly, I'm the same way. You know, so here's my little little one-liner. I don't care who you are. I don't care what church you're pastoring, what level of spirituality 
people think you're at. We're all screwed up. Yes. We're all, we're all yeah. I love it. We all are. And yeah. the thing that I refused to do once I got through my judgmentalism was wear the mask and pretend that I was supposed to be on this pedestal for everyone to look up to. And I, I demolished this whole concept of me being pastor, me being the answer man to have everything figured out. No, I'm just in the journey right alongside of you. So what I found is there's a lot of us out there who are tired of wearing the mask. We're, we're tired of pretending and all the pressure that comes. So I wrote the book for me. It's a book that I would have loved to have had if I had been that pastor. When I first got in this journey of realizing I don't know what to do with everything going on inside of me, I need help. I read everything I could get my hands on. This was back before internet was what it is today, so I couldn't you know, Google, but I just I did everything that I knew to do and found it hard to find what I was looking for. So Restored is the book that I wanted. It was the book that told me what real relationship with God looks like, why I'm not able to have what I see in scripture. I mean, I see the promise of abundant life, but I'm not living it. Literally in, in my second pastorate, third, third pastorate, I came to a point where I told God, look, I'm done. I'm done. I'll be a great deacon somewhere, but I cannot continue to preach a gospel of freedom and deliverance and, and living abundant Christian life and not do it. I, I refuse to fake it. So you're going to have to do something. And that's literally when I began to find what I found that produced the freedom for me. So that's the inspiration behind the book. It, it is something that I desired and did not have, couldn't find it. So I wrote it. So tell us what Restored is. I mean, definitely the title of your book has the, you know, I don't R-E-S-T-O-R-E-D, the eight, oh, of course, duh, uh, these eight truths. So tell us, can you just kind of give us the highlight? He, of he, he remind you, he did. Yeah. Very, the top of the show, he started with that. So with what oh, they no, are, but I'm asking him to say no. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, sorry. Oops. <laughs> you mean I got one-liners for all of it. Relationship. We are created for relationship with God, with ourselves, and with others. Now, this is right out of the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. But most people focus on God and others. Right. So I, I see what I call the flow or the cycle of love. I've got to learn how to be in relationship. My definition of relationship is the ability to hold your heart open to receive love and give love without fear. Mm. So if I'm going to have that, I have to have it first with my father, God, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. But without taking too much time, I focus on relationship with the father because I had relationship with Jesus, but I was scared to death of father God. Mm. I, in my mind, he was a lot like Zeus sitting on his throne, just waiting to jack me up because I couldn't live the life. Mm. So we've got to learn how to open our heart to receive the love that Father God has for us. And then I've got to come into agreement with that for myself. So that's my understanding of relationship with yourself. I got to agree with what God says about me. You know, then I am free to be in relationship with you because I can only give away what I've received. Yes, exactly. Because I've received the love of God. I've come into agreement with that. I've got a little saying, God loves me, period. 
anybody that doesn't agree with God about me has got a problem and it's not my problem. Ah, yes. I know how my daddy feels about me. I know how my father, some people struggle with daddy, but he's my daddy, how he feels about me. And now that I know that and I'm confident of that, I am no longer afraid of you. Fear of man rules me most of my life. I'm no longer afraid of what others think of me. And I no longer need you inappropriately to, to, to validate me because I've gotten all this from my father. So I can only give away what I have received. That's relationship. Um, well, and, and Mitch, you, what I have found working with ministers is that we have, uh, it's not so much exchange. Yeah, it is exchange. We think that the church is Jesus, right? So we we're like, oh yeah, I'm doing this for Jesus. Well, heck no, you're not, you know, right. And we're, he doesn't want you to be sick. He doesn't want you to be, you know, all of this stuff that happens when we pour everything out into the church. So, and I tend to say, we love God. We love, um, and we have to have the relationship with God then with ourselves, if we don't nurture that, then we have nothing to give or share with anybody yeah, else. Absolutely. Then comes our family, however you define family. And then there comes the others. I always want to make family a priority in there because um, I won't speak for my husband, but I sacrificed my children on the altar oh, of church. I've seen how many pastors have sacrificed their family on the altar of ministry. And I refuse That's to right. do that. Exactly. So yeah, thank you. Relationship. All right, e, restored. E. His enemy enemy we have an invisible enemy that works to cause breakdown in those three areas of relationship you know so in this teaching i just go back very briefly ezekiel 28 isaiah 14 look at a very brief you know the original sin where did the original sin occur everybody says the garden of eden well no no it's not it, it started way back in eons past with lucifer and his fall so i look at that the fall a third of the angels that's our enemy that's our enemy Paul says in Ephesians 6, we battle not or we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, power, so on. So I, I love this aspect. And again, y'all stop me because I can go forever. But we battle not against flesh and blood. Well, what does that mean? Who's flesh and blood? I am. So my battle's not against myself. You're flesh and blood. So my battle's not against you. My battle is against this invisible enemy kingdom of sin, as I describe it, and that's our real enemy. And we have to learn who our real enemy is so that we can combat him. And the S of separation, we've got to learn to separate ourselves from the influence of this invisible enemy kingdom. You know, so this was a huge eye opener for me. We go back in Genesis in the fall. When Adam and Eve eat the fruit and they're hiding in the bushes wearing their bikinis, right? God comes for his walk in the cool of the day, and he asks two questions. First question is, where are you? Which I believe is a great question for all of us to ask. Where am I, right? Yesterday, they were walking in face-to-face -face communion with the Godhead. Today, they're covered up, hiding from one another, hiding from God. Second question, God says, who told you? you were naked. Now, I've read the Bible my entire life, but I never saw this. What is a who? A who is a being, but there's nobody else physically in this planet at this time but Adam and Eve, yet God says who? Who told you that you were naked? 
So I submit to you, and I break all this down, but I submit to you the fear, the guilt, the shame that Adam and Eve experienced once they ate the fruit actually enabled this invisible kingdom to begin to influence them internally. We no longer have to have a serpent speaking to us. We now feel and hear and sense the enemy's influence internally. Yet God said, who told you? So that leads us to the T of thoughts. We've got to learn to separate ourselves from the influence of the enemy. How do we do that? We learn to take our thoughts captive to discern the source. Second Corinthians 10, everybody knows the scripture. So, but, but again, nobody ever taught me how. How do I take my thoughts captive? What does that look like? Statistically, we have between 12,000 and 100,000 thoughts a day. I'm glad that's not my job to research that. <laughs> 80 to 85 percent of those thoughts are negative. So I think of it this way. Thoughts can really only come from three places. Matthew 16 gives us an example of that. I take that in the teachings. God, our own head, human beings, or the enemy. So let's, let's just practice for a minute. If you've got 80 to 85 percent of our thoughts are negative, generally speaking, is that God? Is God influencing you to think negatively? I say no. Second question, is that how God's created you to think? We're made in his image. We're made in his likeness. We're made, I believe, to think, speak, and act like him before sin entered. So if it's not God and it's not how he's created me to think, that just leaves the enemy. So I asked this question one time in a group setting. Okay, if you're hanging out listening to the enemy 80 to 85% of the day, what kind of day are you going to have? And the best wow. answer I've awesome. ever heard, not being crude when I say this, but there was a lady sitting there. She said, that's a hell of a day. I said, <laughs> you're absolutely right. That's not a heaven of a day. It is H-E double hockey sticks because that's what we're doing. We're actually engaging with, fellowshipping with evil. And it influences us. So wow. that's thoughts. You want, you want me to go on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, we're going to be out of time. So yeah. <laughs> notes here, I have to say. <laughs> obedience, every choice, every decision we make demonstrates obedience. Obedience is not optional. I'm going to be obedient. Everything I do, I'm showing obedience either to God or to the enemy. And out of my obedience flows the blessings and the curses of life. And I break all this down. R is repentance. So if I do come to a place of recognizing that I have been obedient to the enemy, what do I need to do? I need to repent. Great. Heard it all my life. Repent, repent, repent. What does it mean? How do we actually do it? My definition of repentance is a change of mind that results in a change of action. Most of my journey, I focused on action and behavior. I need to change action and behavior. But I've come to realize true change, true transformation does not happen by focusing on the behavior. It happens by learning to think differently, which is really what repent means. If you look into the original language, where we lost this in the church, I don't know. So I teach a very practical process of repentance, what that looks like. And then E is exercise. Nike said it best, just do it. You know, we must habitually practice to grow in this area of taking our thoughts captive. Final letter D, door points. We must identify and close the doors where the enemy has gained access to our life.
So that's where we get into the ministry, start looking back at these major issues that have happened to us in our life that have shaped how we think, speak, and act after his nature rather than God's. So awesome. When I saw exercise, I'm glad to hear you uh, explain that because when I saw it, I thought, what? You want me to go out and exercise? Do I really have to? No. <laughs> One of my favorite verses, and I talk about it in that, is you know, bodily exercise profiteth little. So I've got a scriptural proof that I don't have to do that. <laughs> that is so great. William, right. you look like you have a question there. Oh, you know, one of the things you, you back to obedience, the obedience thing, because, you know, what I find for most folks is, you know, we think about obedience being the, you know, I'm, I'm going to be, loving, be more loving, I'm going to be more forgiving and whatnot. But we don't think about obedience in terms of every single decision we make. And, you know, I've, I've long said, I preached it, that, you know, when you open the fridge door, what you put in your mouth or what you take out of the fridge, that's an act of obedience. So you're, you're talking about obedience. So, so say more about, you know, what do you mean about obedience not being optional? My one-liner, every choice, every decision we make demonstrates obedience. So what I mean by that, what is obedience? Many different definitions. I kind of settle on this. It is submitting to the authority of. So Every choice, every decision I make, I'm submitting to the authority, either of God in his kingdom or the enemy in his. So let's go to the refrigerator example. Okay, I got a little extra weight around the middle, and, and I need to lose that. I know it's, I need to take care of my body. So I go to the refrigerator, and in the refrigerator is a bottle of water, and there's a Mountain Dew. If I choose the water, I am choosing to be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit in my life, to take care of myself, to love myself, to cherish myself the way God intends for me to. If I choose the Mountain Dew, which is not even in my refrigerator, but, but if I choose it, I am in essence not loving myself. I am harming myself. I am introducing things into my body that really don't need to be there, that are not beneficial to me whatsoever. Now, if you like Mountain Dew, that's fine, but there's nothing of any real tangible, nothing of any good in the Mountain Dew. It's not. Well, to be fair, there is water in there. Sorry, it's the number one ingredient. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> I think it's one of the two groups in Georgia, Yahoo, Mountain Dew, Yahoo, and then, you know, whatever. Sorry. <laughs> so, so to me, it's I mean, it's... I'm, I'm, I, want every, I want every choice I make to be led by. The Bible says we are the, you know, we're led by faith. We're led by faith, right? We're led by truth. So, okay, if I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God as a son of God, I want him involved in every choice and decision that I make, which goes back to relationship. We've got this intimate personal relationship with our Father who loves us, and he wants to influence us. Strong's definition of grace is God's divine influence on the human heart and its reflection in the life. I love that because I have a father who loves me and who wants to influence every choice, every decision I make. And I get to walk around all day, every day with my father dialoguing. You used to wonder how you pray without ceasing. <laughs> now I know. Because every day, all day, I'm just hanging out with God. I'm talking. We're engaging every choice, every decision. I'm seeking for his influence because I do understand now 
that if I don't listen to him, I'm actually listening to another kingdom. And I've seen where that takes me. And it's not a very fun road. So, Mitch, so we, we, I, I want to ask kind of a clarification. And it may sound like I'm being silly, and I, I don't mean it to be that way. But so I was thinking about your door points and closing the door. And to go back to that metaphor of the, the refrigerator. So in a way, you have opened a door, right? And the, the Mountain Dew is in there, and so is the water. And, and so, so what we want to do is grab the water and shut the door, if you will, on, on that Mountain Dew. And until actually somehow we figure out how not to buy the Mountain Dew or, you know, be in those places where it's going to, or with those people, right? Who would put the Mountain Dew? I'm not suggesting divorce, of course, but you know they, like, so that that Mountain Dew, we've shut it out of our of our fridge. The enemy yes. is is that is that kind of accurate to what you're saying? It is. It is because if I take the Mountain Dew, I have opened a door. I have have opened the door because I'm obedient to the guiding of the enemy rather than God, and I'm actually allowing him to traffic in my life because I am in agreement with what he is saying, what that kingdom is saying. I'm not saying he himself, right. but the kingdom of sin, what, what they are influencing me to do. And I found, honestly, in my journey, even as a pastor, born again, filled with the Spirit, I found as a pastor, most of my thoughts were not God, were not my own, were the enemy. I was just oblivious to it. So I was actually allowing him to guide me in so many choices and so many decisions. Fear, as an example. I mean, fear, fear of man was huge for me. I was so overwhelmed by what anybody else might would think of me. That weighed every choice and decision I made in my life, whether to do this or not do this, based on what somebody else might think. Is that God? No, no, it's not God. And that's not how he created me. It is the enemy. So every one of those was open door for the enemy to traffic in my life. But recognizing that I can close the door. So right. no, oh, sorry. So okay. we're so running out of time. I, mean, so, yeah. I, I got one quick question. I hope it's a quick question. And then I want to talk about um, connecting with you and whatnot is, you know, it's one thing to read a book. You know, we all read books and uh, we read a lot of books on how to da, 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 da. And it doesn't always make a lot of difference. What would you suggest? How do you take this book um, by reading it? And, and what's the next step? How do, how do you make this real in your life? Besides, oh, well, that was interesting. And, and right, the right. exercising, I get it, but. And you, you teed it up for me without even realizing that you didn't because. The oh, no, book... I realized it. <laughs> <laughs> The book came after my online course. And so I, I taught this locally in groups for years, eventually had it professionally recorded. I've now got it up on my website, restoredcoaching.org, O-R-G. Uh, so you can go through the eight sessions uh, along with workbook to, to further break this down. And then I wrote the book beyond that because I really just want people free, man. I don't want people to have to live the life that I lived. And I want this truth. I often tell people, I feel like I've got a secret that the whole world needs to know. So yeah. Tell the world. How do I tell the world? Yeah. The book was the next logical step for me. Awesome. Thank you for writing it. Really. Thank you. It's, it's yeah. Thank you for writing it. Woo. All right. So, so I, on the... On, in the description, 
of the podcast, you will have the link for both the for both the book and the um, the restored coaching. Just real quick for those of you who are viewers, Mitch has made it possible for you to get the Kindle version of this book for two two ninety nine, I believe it is, which is the lowest that that um, Kindle will let him sell it for. So. Two ninety nine, um, and the link will be there. And I don't know how long he's going to run that special. I said a week, you know, the rest of the week. So you're, you're kind of stuck, Mitch, because now I've said it out loud. That's fine. June fifth. <laughs> June fifth. I'm launching the paperback. Uh, there you are. Once once we launch paperback, I'm going to you know increase that price to nine ninety nine. So All right. if you could do me a favor, I'm doing you one. Those who would buy that at two ninety nine, if you could just leave me a review, that would help tremendously. Uh, yes. on Amazon. So that's why I'm doing that. Just as a little promotion, get it while you can, write me a review, and that would be a tremendous help to me. First, book, uh, you know, I'm just a South Georgia country boy, grew up on a farm, barely made it through high school. Uh, so this is a whole new world for me, but I'm enjoying dipping my toe in. You're doing you it. It has been awesome having you here. We appreciate it. And I'm yes. um, looking forward to um, well, actually, I've read much of the book, and uh, but uh, look forward to, to speaking with you again. And for the rest of you viewers, we're thankful for, for you being here. Go get the book. Take a look at it, Chris. Yeah. Quick. Yep. So, yeah, no, I'm just saying thanks for being with us today, Mitch. Again, thank you so much. I've enjoyed getting to hear more and to getting to know a piece of you. Uh, and uh, we do. I'm looking sick. Nine thirty our time. We have to say goodbye. Have a wonderful week. Bye bye. Thank you all so much.